Today, my guest was another CPA, Allison Rife Martin, and we talked about updates to retirement plan contributions, uh, changes in the individual mandate. We talk about um, strategies for business owners who want to grow their business, how to organize their money and get it right to maximize their ability to grow, and a couple of more uh, tax strategies that you might find useful. Uh, if you find this podcast helpful uh, and you've listened to at least one or two episodes, please share it. It helps get the word out there. Um, I don't advertise. I don't need to advertise. I run a business and uh, my business pays for my time to be able to do this. And this is also just exposure uh, for me uh, to people become aware of, 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 of what I do uh, and my thoughts and expertise. Um, so, I don't, so I don't need advertisements. I don't do a lot of advertisements for my business on here. But it keeps growing if you share it and you write reviews. So I'd appreciate it if you did. Enjoy the episode. Alrighty, we are back with another episode of Ask Philip. I'm your host, uh, Philip Washington Jr. And my guest today is a CPA, uh, Allison Rife Martin. Uh, she's owner of Rife Martin Accounting. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk specifically about a couple different areas. But the first area that we'll, we'll dig into um, is, is around uh, the taxation of when you become a partner. And let me, let me frame it up, uh, Allison, uh, for sure. you. So you know, over the years doing financial planning, you know, I've, I've started out working with, you know, quite a few um, associates at, at big law firms. And then, you know, they'll either become partners or they'll go to uh, work in-house somewhere. But the ones that become partner, a, a lot of them will have a big, um, uh, it'll, they'll have a big effect in their take-home pay, meaning they'll say, well, man, Philip, you know, when I went from being an associate to a partner, it felt like I had a whole lot less money. So, so, so can we start, can we start by walking through, you know, what's happening in that process when they switch from W2 to a partner uh, ship and why do they feel like they're having less money when they're, you know, maybe making more money uh, overall? Overall. Well, from a, first off, thank you so much for um, asking me to uh, be on your podcast. I've really been looking forward to this opportunity. Um, but when you shift from being a regular W-2 employee to a partner, it changes in terms of how you're being paid. As you know, as an employee, your wages are, we all know, are considered W-2 and they're subject to tax, um, at, at taxable income, and that typically you're, with pay, through payroll, federal income tax is withheld. Um, as a partner, you are not allowed to be paid payroll, wages through payroll you are paid what is called a guaranteed payment. Um, and that's whatever you and the, you know, the other the managing partner or the operating agreement sets up for you. Um, it effectively is treated um, as income, obviously still subject to uh, income, but tax is not withheld, either uh, in, including your social federal income tax and your social security and Medicare. So you effectively are on the hook for um, all aspects of the payroll tax. So at the end of the year, you will see that you're getting what's called the self, something 
effectively called the self-employment tax, which is roughly 15.3% of the income earned as a guaranteed payment. So that's why I think people feel and are in, in a big shock for uh, when they switch from being a W-2 employee to a partner. And as I met, had uh, mentioned to you when we were discussing the topic, that one of the things that um, people have a misconception of is that you you can't be, uh, the, the guaranteed payment doesn't apply to you if you were only a small in investor in the, uh, or have a small interest in the partnership. Um, many times I've been asked, well, I only have a 1% interest. Why, sh why should I have to be treated as anything but an employee? The tax law unfortunately says if you have even a minuscule interest in the partnership, it's still considered a guaranteed payment. So once you become partner, it's awesome, but there is that implication of additional tax burden upon you. Got it. So if I understand it correctly, if, you know, when you're a W-2 employee, um, the employer is picking up some, some, some of your tax. I'm going to mess it up, but don't they, don't they pick up like half of that That's tax correct. order? Yeah. Okay. So when you, if, as a W-2 employee, if you were to look at your pay stub, you'd see federal income tax being withheld, Social Security being withheld at 6.2%, and Medicare at 1.45%. Um, if you double those two percentages, that's how I came up with the 15.3% of self-employment tax. You effectively are picking up the employee and the employer's uh, payroll tax burden for Social Security and Medicare. Got it. Yeah, make, make, makes complete sense. So, so it, and basically there's like, there's nothing you can do about that other than create a big old super PAC and go buy a couple of politicians in Washington and <laughs> lobby them to it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I, that part I wouldn't recommend, but yes, I mean, there's, you can certainly call your congressman or senator and certainly you know, see if that's something that can be, you know, fixed or corrected. Um, but, you know, one strategy you could conceivably work with your, with your partnership um, is ask them to what I would call gross up your pay. So let's say that they, your guaranteed payment is $10,000 once a month. Well, ask them to gross it up by the amount of self-employment tax with the employer's portion of the self-employment tax to help you cover that cost. So that's one thing that you can, could conceivably consider doing. Um, the other thing is, if that's not an option, just plan to set aside 15.3% for every dollar of guaranteed payment that you do receive. Um, one other thing I guess I didn't think to mention when it comes to guaranteed payments, um, at the end of the year, if, if the partnership covers your share of health insurance, then that will also be added to your um, guaranteed payment or it's considered taxable income as well. So just keep that thing that in mind as you're doing your tax planning for how much to set aside. Oh, wow, yeah, so I didn't know that part. So the health, the health insurance becomes compensation and then that, and yeah, okay. Yeah, assuming, so that you're, assuming that the company or the partnership is paying for that on your behalf. Got it, got it, okay. Um, or, or, or it will be the portion that they're paying. So if they're paying half, then that That's half will be. Exactly right. And what about, what about, I'm assuming then two 401k uh, matches that, that applies as well, if they're matching in the 401k? Uh, I don't, uh, nope, I don't believe so. Okay. okay. That, that, I, I say that knowing that I don't believe so. I would, that one I'm not, I've never that, seen that before. Okay. No, good. Yeah, just de definitely, you know, I, I do a disclaimer at the end. Hey, make sure you, before y'all uh, yeah. do it. Go check, with, check your, with your tax advisor on that one. Tax advisor on <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, so no, that, that's interesting. So then, and, and so a few other people and to, to make sure we don't confuse some, some people um, that are in partnerships, this rule does not apply if you're like, um, if you're like a limited partner and you're not taking any, you know, you're not like working in the business or taking any salary, right? So if you're just putting in money and you're a limited partner, this is, you know. You, yes, you have to be a, you know, actively involved in the business to even get a, a guaranteed payment or what people would call a salary. So if I were just to invest in um, the, the, you know, the Philip Washington partnership, and that's all I did, in any you're not going to give me an, a guaranteed payment. You would be the one receiving that. So that's, it is just limited to those who are actively involved in the business. And, 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 and this also, I know we're getting super technical, but as, as you were saying it, I'm always thinking, all right, what's somebody thinking after this? What, you know, um, some, some companies um, will become taxed as a, as a S corporation. Um, does, 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 does it still apply same same rule if you say hey I want to be taxed as an S corp and not a straight partnership? Well, if you're taxed as an if your if your company is treated as an S corp, then you are required to be um, paying yourself a salary. So that the rules change there, so it wouldn't be considered a guaranteed payment. It would you would be considered an employee of the company. You're no longer considered a partnership. Got it. Got it. And and then and then and then it goes back to the other. To the other rules right where um payroll applies and you receive uh you know w-2 at the end of the year and federal income tax social security and medicare should be withheld from your check well well that's pretty cool uh, so so side so side note you may or may not know this why why don't law firms i'm, I'm assuming if this is if you know these are some big law firms that we're in i'm assuming they're not uh s-corps they're partnerships why why don't a lot of them switch to an s-corp that I mean I can't I that's I'm not sure would know that's not something I would know. <laughs> yeah okay okay. It could have just been that when the operating agreement was set up, that's how they agreed to do it. I mean, you know, I, I'm not in this case. I'm not an attorney, so I wouldn't know how to answer that one. Got it. okay. Yeah no 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 uh, no big deal. I, I was just curious. But so so but from a let me step back then. But from a from a planning standpoint, would you think it might be wise to explore that option or it? There's a lot of factors you got to weigh in being an S corp or a partnership. There are for sure a lot of factors to weigh into whether you want to switch from a partnership to an S corp. Um, first off, you'd I think you'd have to consider if you have limited partners. Um, there's just there's a myriad of things to consider, and that's where having a consultation with a tax advisor would be advisable, and obviously a tax attorney, um, just to make sure it's it's a smart move. Um, not just from a tax standpoint, standpoint, but from an operation and financial standpoint for your firm as well. Make, makes complete sense. And, and, and also, and I know I'm, I'm going to get back to the regularly scheduled questions, but every, <laughs> but every, every time, uh, for those who listen to podcasts, they, they know I do this because what I'm always thinking through is I'm like, all right, based on what they just said, what is the next question? Right. And the next question is, um, um, what is the difference between a tax attorney and a CPA? Um, CPA, certified public accountant. Um, we can only speak to financial and tax issues. When it comes to legal representation, a tax attorney would have a, a focuses primarily on uh, tax law 
and can handle um, civil and criminal proceedings that are presented before the IRS. That's not something that I as a CPA would be able to, able or should be able to handle. Got it, okay. So they're like, they're like the ones that like really dig into those 20,000 pages. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're the ones who can, can you know, speak before a judge. Um, they can speak before the, you know, the uh, TIGTA treasury investigators. They are the ones that, you know, if something were to really come down, um, they can help you with that. Obviously, I can help us, you know, putting together the information, but I would not be in a position to represent, uh, take on, you know, a court case or any kind of cases like that. No, yeah, no, make, make, makes complete sense. I, um, you know, because uh, in the nature of what I do, you know, building financial plans and, and using different kind of models and factoring in taxes, I have to be uh, somewhat versed in it. But, but I find, um, and, and this is why I asked the question, that, you know, when, when somebody's getting to a level where they got lots of different moving pieces and exactly. um, a, a more complex plan, I'm like, you got to, you got to, your, your financial planner, your CPA and your tax uh, attorney have to coordinate because, um, you know, they're all looking at the, 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 the balance sheet and the income statement from different points of views. Exactly. Um, and right. And the attorney, like you're saying, can help craft the agreement. I, that's not something that a CPA can or should do. Right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, so let's, now, let's now I will say this. You can be a CPA and an attorney at the same time. Um, but, you know, if I was just a, a standalone CPA like I am now, I cannot draft agreements. I cannot practice before the courts. That's where, and if it got to where you, you know, felt like you needed somebody to help draft, say, the operating agreement or, you know, go before the IRS for, um, you know, tax law related issues, that's where a tax attorney would get involved. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll go back to the regularly scheduled pro program. Um, okay. So, um, has there been any updates for the individual mandate and health insurance? Like, you know how they have some sort of tax penalty uh, if right. you didn't have health insurance? Yeah, so they did the, um, there was a, a recently passed uh, rules that saying with the shared responsibility payment, which is the penalty that you're referring to, if you do not have employer-sponsored health coverage or you have not individually purchased it through the uh, marketplace. In prior, in prior to 2018, or 2019, sorry, you would have paid the penalty that you're referring to, which is called the shared responsibility payment. Now, it is, you're no longer on the hook for it. Um, as you file your 2019 return, if you do not have coverage, you will see that as a penalty on your return. However, please know that you do not need to pay, pay it. Um, but again, you know, talk with your tax advisor about that um, as you're working your way through that this year. Mm -hmm. And then the, what about the, the, the new changes to retirement contributions? And we can just stick with like 401ks and IRAs. What, what are those new limits? So this for 2020, they did an increase of where you, if you are under the age of 50, you can contribute up to $19,500 $19, to your 401k. Um, if you're over 50, um, you can contribute up to $25,500. And 
obviously I know that you're going to strongly encourage people to, to max out their 401k contributions, but I would too, just speaking as an individual, um, especially if your company provides a 401k match. It's a great way to get free money added to your uh, 401k account, and we all know that someday we're going to retire. Um, make sure you take advantage of it. Um, yeah, obviously, too, as you were mentioning, there are IRA, traditional and Roth IRAs. You have the ability to contribute up to $6,000 if you're under the age of 50. If you're over the age of 50, you can contribute up to $7,000. Again, that's a combination of the traditional and the Roth IRA um, to maximize any tax deductions or to, to minimize your tax liability. Um, you know, the traditional IRA contributions are the way to go. Um, but please know one other thing that I did want to bring up, you can contribute to both a 401k and an IRA at the same time. Um, your tax deductibility related to your IRA contributions is subject to um, adjusted gross income limitations. So again, you'd want to work with your tax advisor on that to make sure that you're to see what you can contribute, what's the best amount you can contribute to a, um, an IRA, taking into consideration your adjusted gross income. Got it. So, so if I so if I say that back to you, um, based on how much money you like, you like you can do a traditional IRA and a uh, and a four hundred one k pre tax contribution as long as you don't make too much money. Yes, correct. Again, those limits are uh, out there based on your filing status. So, the adjusted gross income of a hundred thousand dollars would be different based on if you file and, and, and that don't hold me to the hundred thousand. I was making that number up at whatever mm -hmm. the limitation was assumes you how you're filing, whether it be single married filing joint head of household, etc. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. Um, but again, consult your tax advisor on that, you know, because everybody's situation is unique. Right. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. All right. Um, medical expense deduction so yeah um so like there's a medical expense deduction before and do we still get it with the new tax rules in place uh yes with the idea that um it's really hard for a lot of people to take advantage of because most of us don't don't incur high medical expenses um it, Prior to the uh, 2017 Tax Cut Job Acts bill that completely reformed our uh, tax, how taxes were calculated, um, it, it used to be where it was um, your itemized deductions included medical expenses, and it still does. Um, but the standard deduction, as you may know, increased significantly for every filing status. So it's a lot harder to be able to actually take advantage of the medical expense deduction. It was already hard before, but it's even harder now because of the high limit of the standard deduction across all filing statuses. Um, right now, it, it's medical expenses. Uh, you can deduct any medical expenses that are 10% or greater than 10% of your adjusted gross income. And again, most of us, thankfully, are healthy enough that we don't incur those, those significant uh, medical bills. But let's take an example of if you have $100,000 in adjusted gross income, we know that you can deduct any medical expenses over 10%. So you have a $10,000 threshold. If you incur $10,000 in medical expenses, well, you can't take any deduction. You'd have to spend greater than $10,001. Again, that's pretty tough for a lot of families because thankfully 
most of us are pretty healthy and don't incur those kind of tax bills. Or we're covered through um, health insurance that cover those kind of significant bills. Um, okay. So that, so again, it's, it's really, a lot of people, it's there, but it's, it's hard to take advantage of, again, just for what I said earlier. And, and the health insurance is already tax deductible, right? So you don't get the double, double, uh, no, actually, no, health insurance is not tax deductible, is it? That's a pre, if, if you're an employee, it's a pre-tax, it's typically a pre-tax deduction. Okay. So, so then there, there were, so you couldn't double dip. You couldn't say, Hey, I want to count my insurance as part of exactly. it. Exactly. Now, if you are a self-employed business owner, then, you know, that is something to take into consideration, but there's other strategies that you can employ to maximize the tax tax deductibility for that. Oh, nice. Nice. And, 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 and um, um, going to the, and I'm, I'm, I pulled together bits and pieces of stuff that I like heard and not read up on. And so I'm, I'm asking you to, uh, in, in the podcast, but I think I heard or read something about alimony changing too, right? Right. Okay. That's, yeah. Um, it's no longer tax deductible, um, but it's also not reportable as income either. So um, it's a, you can look at it as a win for the recipient of the alimony and a loss for the payer of the alimony. Got, got it. Okay. So, so not counted as income for the person receiving it, but right. you, but the, but the person that's paying it, uh, can, it either. Right. can't deduct it either. Okay. Right. I didn't even know that. I didn't, when I saw it, I didn't even realize they were deducting it before. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, Again, it's a. I'll send you the. I'll send you the backup on it. Okay. Um, what are What are some strategies for? Uh, so let me let me let me frame this up right. So um, a, a lot a lot of a lot of businesses are um, you know trying to grow. Obviously, they're in business, but but with growing, you got to have a delicate balance, right? You have to you have to reinvest money aggressively to grow, but then you also have to make sure you have enough money to pay the bills in the short term. So, you know, what are some strategies that, that you've seen or that you recommend to your clients to make sure that they don't get overexpended, but they're also um, have their feet on the gas hard enough to, sure. to, to move fast? Yeah, so um, first off, cash is king. That's, you know, we need money so that um, we can be able to provide great service to our clients. Um, so what I would probably, one strategy that has worked for me personally, but has worked for um, other of my clients as well, is they call it the profit, profit margin uh, saving strategy. Think of what your profit margin is for your company. So let's say, for example, um, your profit margin is 20%. So for every dollar of revenue, you bring home 20 cents. Um, so you look at what your expenses are. Uh, that means for every dollar of revenue you bring in, you have 80 cents to cover your operating expenses. Well, you should, so keep in mind, take that 20 cents when you get the dollar in, put it into a bank account, and you have 80 cents left over. That 80 cents better cover everything. If it doesn't, then you have to re-figure out how to change your operating expenses um, and put the 20 cents into a bank account. Let it, or whatever investment vehicle you want so that it can um, grow to help you reinvest back into your company. 
Got it. Okay, so just take out take out the profit and set it aside. Right. Um, to keep to keep a good uh, keep a good cushion. And and my um, suggestion with that would be is to put it in a bank account that you cannot touch. So like, um, I have a bank account in Dayton, Ohio, um, and it's in Dayton, Ohio, if only because I'm from Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> But it's really difficult for me to get to that 20 cents because um, there are no ATM machines out here that can accommodate a bank in Dayton, Ohio. Um, so it's, it's a great way to put it under lock and key so that I can't just touch and borrow it saying, oh, I'll pay it back because it's, it's really hard to get to. Right. No, that's, that's actually pretty wise. That's actually pretty wise. And, and, I, and I imagine you know, some of the, some of the basic principles of financial planning, you can apply to business. Like for example, you know, um, I've been uh, create, creating like 10 year spending plans uh, mm -hmm. for clients where I'll say, Hey, look, I know you got to save for retirement, but let's think about everything else that you need to save money for, for the next 10 years, right. You know, upgrades on your home, right. um, new car, let's, let's plan it out because we know we're going to need it. And let's create savings buckets for it in advance Exactly. Um, right. Need and so a business would probably need to do the same thing. Right. So set right set aside something for operating for your profit margin, and then what do you have to save for uh, income taxes? What do you need to save for, um, you know, like the ma major capital investment, um, or say you have insurance renewals that come up, and they are your premiums are pretty sizable. How do you save up for that? I mean, just be strategic in the accounts that you set up. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm just curious. But like, how 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 many business owners are actually doing that? I would I would, I would imagine it's probably not that many, right? I would say not that many, but if you can be disciplined about it, it's really a great. It really helps out, and it makes and it takes the pressure off of having to wonder how are you going to come up with the money because you know it's already there. Right. And, and again, you, you're not. And and the other thing that I see as a major benefit is is it really makes you think. Do I really need to invest in that app? Do I really need to, you know, is, is there another way to, you know, outsource some activity so that um, I can minimize my costs while maximizing my return? I mean, it, it really makes you think, how do you want to run your business and what's your overall goal? Right. And, and, and before we get to the fun questions, mm -hmm. um, um, just so everybody knows, let, you know, um, Cause I skipped this. I skipped this in the beginning. You're you're a CPA, so you you do taxes, but you also help with outsourced CFO, right? Can can you explain? Yeah, all fractional, the services? yeah, fractional CFO work and um, help with accounting. So I have over thirty years of experience from staff accountant all the way up to a CFO type role to being an entrepreneur on my own business now going on my fourth year. Um, so I understand what a business needs to be able to be successful. And I, you know, again, through all of my experience, I've learned how to partner with the business owner, the market president, the CEO, the general manager, on to give them a heads up and some insight into their business so that they can make great operational decisions as to how to grow their business in the way they want. So those are the kind of services that I provide. And frankly, I find they're a lot of fun because it requires me to understand your story, help provide you great advice. Yeah, no, make makes complete sense. I, I um I am I am I'm routinely shocked at um you know, a lot of people have people who file the taxes, but right. you know, a, a, a lot of businesses don't have I call it like a 
a, a, a financial planner for your business. I'm like, hey, you got to have a financial planner for your business because, you know, as you know, there's there's two different skill sets, right? There's a skill set of learning how to make money, but then there's a skill set of learning how to plan that out. And a lot of business owners are good at making money, um, but not so much, um, you know, planning it out. And well, um, well, I was going to say, I keep hearing somebody, somebody, I'm uh, a business coach I have, told me that the goal should be to work on your business, not in your business. And so having the right business partner, be it, you know, initially starting out as a bookkeeper all the way up to a CPA, whatever, you know, can help you get to your goals. That's who you should be looking for to help give you advice so that you can be working on your business and growing it as opposed to worrying about, do you have enough money for payroll or do you have enough money to buy that next big capital investment so that you can take, propel your firm forward. No, it make, makes complete sense. All right, here, here are the last five fun questions um, that I ask every guest. So uh -huh. what, are, what are your favorite restaurants to, to visit in DFW? Um, I would probably tell you Mariano's in North Dallas. And it's the home of the, uh, the frozen margarita machine. So <laughs> it's, which is, it's just a really fun place to go. Um, and it's obviously got great Tex-Mex food. Um, so I always love trying to go try out new Tex-Mex food because again, being from Ohio, so our food was very bland. Salt and pepper was our biggest spice. So it's kind of fun to be down here to try <laughs> something that's got a bit more flavor to it. Um, and then of course there's the, there's not an ice cream shop that I don't love trying out. Okay. Okay. What, what, what are some good ones then? What are your two favorite ones? Ice cream shops. My two favorite ice cream shops. Oh gosh, I can think of so many. Um, you know, I I would be hard pressed to recommend even one because you know you, I just love going to them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, uh, well, side note, just because you like ice cream, there's this uh, new beignet spot on Maine and Malcolm X in in Deep Ellum, and uh, I think it's called Le, Le Bon Temps. Um, but if you just Google beignet, Maine, and Malcolm X, but they have this one beignet where they put ice cream on it and they put some, I think it's rum or whiskey uh, inside of it. And it is... Uh, delicious is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you an ice cream lover would love it. Oh, good. Uh, okay. I'm getting to try. <laughs> so, uh, so second question, what are your favorite uh, TV shows to watch? Um, uh, I... I don't know if you've watched this one, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm -mm. you've, you've never heard of this one? Andy Samberg, um, Melissa Fumar. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a comedy on NBC. It started out on Fox. And it is, it is completely hilarious to watch. It's quirky. It's weird. It's just, it's just, oh, Terry Crews is in it too. So it's just, it's so funny. It's a, it's a they make fun of, um, in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way of police work and it but obviously their goal is to you know solve cases and all it's just it's hilarious i love i love sarcastic humor and that's very much what um, brooklyn my night is that's funny okay um what about favorite movies um honestly i like rom-coms and uh, i love foreign films I think one of my favorite rom com or uh, foreign films is called The Castle. It's an Australian movie. And again, it's in the same vein of just being 
completely ridiculous, but with a sweet story. And <laughs> it is hilarious to watch. Okay. And then what about, uh, what about books? What are your favorite books to either read or listen to? Um, actually, I like listening to, I do a lot of listening to nonfiction type books. Um, and, uh, but I also am a big fan of Sophie Kinsella, the sh uh, who writes the Shopaholic series. Okay. It's really what, fun to watch or read, I mean. What is that Shopaholics? Is it for people who like to shop? <laughs> well, you would think it's, it's a, a, a char the character uh, obviously has a problem shopping, but there's romance weaved into it. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a rom com. It's a rom com that you read. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And then, what, do you listen to podcasts at all? I do actually. Um, I'm sure the question is, what are my favorite ones? So, mm -hmm. um, from a business standpoint, um, I'm sure everybody's listening to the IRS tax regulation update on a weekly basis. <laughs> it is, it's actually it. It's really interesting to listen to, but I think you have to be a you know tax nerd and CPA to really find that one interesting to listen to. Um, from a business development standpoint, there's one that I really like listening to, and I think you would get a lot of, and I think the listeners, your listeners too, would get a lot out of it. It's called Nail the Sale by Rick and Nancy Monsipapa, and I actually went to high school with uh, Nancy, one of the hosts, um, and they their job, their goal is to provide the entrepreneur with tips and um, goal, uh, insight onto how to close more business. And it's a 15 minute weekly podcast. And I have learned more about how to close more business through them. And it's stuff as simple as that they actually talk about etiquette with your, your clients. They talk about how, how to get beyond the uh, admin assistance so you can get to the C-suite or what's the best way to meet a new bit, a new client and you know, how can you start the conversation to get them to say yes to you? Um, they also did this great episode on how to talk yourself to a six figure income and the, they boiled down to like five tips and it was, it's just great listening to and they, and they have a nice rhythm about how they talk. Um, and then my for funsy one is uh, this really fun podcast called basketball bros. And, um, <laughs> They folks, it's three guys um, who talk about the NBA, but they weave in marketing and business um, and branding stories as well, too. And I don't know the NBA very well, but I've learned an awful lot about it since. And they don't just talk about the actual game. They talk about the players and, again, marketing, branding, and their banter is hilarious to listen to. And it's an hour-long podcast, and it's, you know, I've, I've extended lots of car rides just so that I can listen to the whole thing because they're so funny. Talk, listen to each other talk. <laughs> isn't, isn't that so cool? I mean, that's why I, um, I just got an iPhone and, um, or I will switch back to iPhone because I was using a, a Fitbit watch for years and I two of them broke. And my, one of my wife's broke and I was like, I'm done with Fitbit. Uh, I'm switching to get the iPhone watch and I had to switch back to uh, iPhone. But, iPhone tells you how much time you spend on, you know, different apps per day. Right. And, uh, and I'm like, man, I spend a lot of time on uh, podcasts and audiobooks because I, I do that like w way more than TV uh, because, you know, you can listen to a podcast while you drive. And then when I'm home, I got young kids. So when we're like 
you know, making food or, um, you know, giving baths or cleaning up or, you know, whatever. It's just like, you, I can have a podcast on in the background um, uh-huh. and, uh, and, and still work. Or, and when I work out, so I'm like, you can easily get a few hours of podcast in a day and, right. uh, and there's unlimited content. So, um, Oh yeah, there's a lot out there. It's just, you have to find what works for you. And um, after the weekly IRS regulation update, um, <laughs> I, want something, <laughs> I want something fun. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> How long is that IRS podcast? Just oh my gosh, it's it's like fifty minutes once a week, and I mean, it's it's just funny to listen to some. Of, they will pick some like really obscure cases, but they're obviously meaningful because there's you know relevant tax um, information that you need to know. But nobody but a CPA or a tax attorney or an IRS an enrolled agent would actually find it even remotely interesting <laughs> now, now, now listen I, I'm, I'm going to use you to, to say something that I always say because it just it just popped up so most most people that are making some money and paying taxes they they think rich people um, all have their money in these crazy tax strategies like you know yeah. like um, captive insurance agencies and all that kind of stuff and and would you please tell them that like uh, no, that's not like there, there's the there's the 1% that could afford like a million dollar a year attorney bill. And then there's right. the rest of there's rest of everybody else. And like everybody that's not doing a million dollar a year attorney um, fees for all that. They're not doing anything crazy. No, they're not doing anything crazy. You too can become a millionaire by watching how you spend your money. You know, what do they say? Where your treasure, where your treasure go or where your heart goes, your treasure will follow. So if you, you know, want to be a millionaire, don't spend like, you know, don't spend like what you think a millionaire spends like because they don't, you know, they're not driving the latest greatest car, they're living within their means. And that's what we all have to think about doing. And that's, I think, goes back to that profit share program idea of how to save money. How much money do you want? How much money do you get? How do you figure it out so that you can save that 20 cents, you know, for every dollar you bring in? It's just, it seems it just requires discipline to do. Yep. No, that, that is some great education, great, great advice or uh, not advice, education, great thoughts, great, great ideas. Um, Allison, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. I definitely will have to, uh, maybe we can make this a recurring thing where I have you on uh, sure. multiple times throughout the year. So we can uh, keep talking about, you know, different interesting cases. Cause um, it's, it's once a, once a month I come across, something interesting where I have to hop on the phone with a CPA and talk it through. And so I'm like, let me just start, you know, putting those on podcast format, sure. obviously, obviously without sharing anybody's specific situation. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I would love that. Be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, well, well thanks. No, thank you. Your kid, this is great. <laughs>